Hey everyone, welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am here with the writer, the digital creator, and someone who understands that the power of memes can be used for feminism and social justice and activism. It's Jen Winston. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. You're a Libra sun, you're a Pisces rising, you're a Sag moon, and you know nothing about any of those things. I have no idea. <laughs> I should. I, li I Well, I have Libra on my necklace. I know Libra. Like, I know... That means that's I'm a big indecisive. Libra necklace. Thank you. I like it. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> I like, don't know if that's a compliment. No, but. no. I just, I was like, I, when usually I see people with like little, you just took it out of your shirt and usually it's like, I have this on my necklace and it's like a tiny little dainty pendant. No, it's this like is like a bling. chain. Yeah. It's like <laughs> Hell massive. yes, you have it. Yeah. And I, I love being a Libra. Like that one, I understand. I know that means I'm like indecisive, creative, love fashion, love aesthetics. Um, mainly indecisive that's a, that is a big one uh but i don't know about like i don't know anything about the other ones yeah it's always fascinating to me though so i guess this is actually as i share insight on what the rising and moon is for you just so that you have that information and you can take that and do whatever mm. you'd like with it after uh, i'm Thank sure you. our listeners would also some of them could use a refresher on what the difference between the sun the rising and the moon are so the sun sign is like the car that you're using to drive through life. Ooh. So love a metaphor. Love a metaphor. <laughs> Need a metaphor with yeah, astrology. Absolutely. <laughs> Require a metaphor. Yeah. So with the sun in Libra, um, this is really going to speak to sort of like the vehicle that you're using to get through your everyday experiences. And just in the same way that you're going to, you know, we as outside pedestrians or your fellow drivers are going to sort of make assumptions based on who you are, based on your car, that's sort of how we uh, make assumptions and read and register someone's sun sign. Like your son in Libra is definitely like, you know, it's a nice car. Like, oh, I was going to say like a Nissan Altima, but maybe, I don't, maybe up level. <laughs> I, I, I don't know anything about Nissans. Uh, uh, but <laughs> if that's the car that speaks to you, then maybe that, that is I your mean, Libra dream. I mean, that's like a basic sedan, but you know, maybe it is my, li my Libra dream. Um, mm. well, it's definitely going to have some sort of like a nice, uh, interior detail. Okay. Let's go with like a Tesla. Okay. Wow. We upgrade. Let's I know that we upgraded. That. Yeah. Let's just Fuck yeah. shoot for the moon. Sure. I'm so yeah. down for that. Okay. I want you to have the nicest Tesla. I'll take it. Um, so that is what your sun sign does is it really shows us sort of the way that you are externally navigating. The rising sign is the road that you're driving on. Mm. So the rising sign is going to help us understand sort of what your landscape looks like and this is when we start to already add layers of complexity to the mix because you know you are a Pisces rising and Pisces is this sign that is associated with emotions and sensitivity mm -hmm. and um, mysticism deep feelings so I would say that Pisces rising you know the road that it's driving on is w there are no roads you know Ooh. where Pisces rising goes it's like this is you're underwater, yeah. you're in the sky, like you're feeling things on such uh, existential levels that like sort of just, you know, a regular road is not sufficient. So now we have this Tesla and oh we're trying gosh. to drive it like underwater. So yeah. obviously there's going to be some. Elon Musk, conflict. hurry up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's get on it, Elon. Lastly, we have the moon, which I like to think of as the driver. Mm. So 
we the moon is going to show us sort of like the way that you're interacting with the car and the road the emotions behind it whether you have road rage whether you're like super super chill you're a sag moon so there's definitely a bit of road rage and (laughs) there also is um this this really deep desire to like go off road and explore and not have to be confined to whatever like the speed limits are or the directions that you know you're supposed to go in or telling you to um but you know you're that means that your tesla is like might get taken away from you yeah so that's also I picked a four-wheel drive car <laughs> exactly so like with sag we always are thinking like this is definitely some sort of a four-wheel drive like jeep mm. no door situation okay um so yes that is sort of how i visualize this these big three the sun moon and rising interacting with each other and i think it already you know i feel like one could spend an entire lifetime just unpacking the relationship between your perception of reality the rising sign the way you interact with reality the sun sign and then the way you feel about it the moon for sure those are like the biggest concepts that exist. yeah <laughs> right but like if for in astrology that's just the tip of the yeah. iceberg which is bonkers yeah <laughs> that was really helpful and i do feel like that i feel like i have been i've i've kind of been led by this creative energy and people perceive me as a creative person but i'm a very emotionally driven person i guess although i actually had my chart read by someone who i would not recommend i I forget their name so i can't even recommend them to you but they when they read my chart they said that i was a very unemotional person they read like my numbers or something it was like it was like parts of my body that were white or like oh was it a human design yes yeah I wasn't into it. Yeah, I we just last week I spoke with um I don't know what the order of when these episodes are going to come out but there's someone who does human design on the podcast and mm. she was l- very lovely. And she told me about how human design works and she walked me through it and I felt like one of those bros that I as an astrologer have to interact with all the time because uh-huh. it was such a it was like a language I did not understand yeah you mean they're like okay that's fake yeah like okay well w- how is that different from everybody else yeah like, yeah yeah <laughs> and, and like I always have to oh know, my like, god I'm deal sure deal with that but I felt like I was that guy because it was so unfamiliar and I was like also like what do you mean it's an astrology medley like <laughs> yeah so I I mean, yeah, you know, I guess if it's a language that works for someone, it's a language for that sure. works for them. And I mean, that's when I started doing tarot like a long time ago. Um, I don't do it as often anymore. But that when I learned that about it, that it was like, oh, it's what you take from it. I was like, this is amazing. Now I understand all forms of self-discovery like this. Like there, I mean, not so much astrology because astrology is more rooted in like uh science i guess i would say i don't what would you say <laughs> i i if i said that i would be uh chastised <laughs> i by said it, not <laughs> you. Yeah, i mean i would say that science is rooted in like a or i'm sorry not science astrology is rooted in like a very very ancient language yeah that would, and a lot yeah. of mythology and a lot of um observation yeah Okay, I take the science back. You but can, no, keep the science there because I, mean, I didn't say it. But what, th- you yeah. could just leave it out there. One of my favorite tweets is the tweet, um, I forget who said it, but it was like, men will will c- 
come for you for saying that you believe in astrology, but they'll think things like trickle down economics are real. LOL. I know. So real. It's like such a great tweet. Uh, Last night at three o'clock in the morning when I was still working because I have just as of this morning, decided that I'm going to start admitting that I have a work problem. I am an addict. That's a big yes. admission. Yes. Um, but I <laughs> saw, like, there was just, the, this is today's Wednesday, yesterday was Super Tuesday, and there was a all of this, these tweets about, like, data. And I wrote, I responded to it, like, in my own world, writing, like, I'm muting the word data because reality is an illusion and I really mean that I hate the word data so much it literally sends like chills throughout my body I feel so I feel like it's such a weaponized word Uh (laughs) and I feel like it is it is the uh, direct uh, it fueled a lot of my trauma surrounding my company that did not work in astrology Mm. that I ran from 20 six or I ran from 2013 to 2016 um was you know all of these VC bros being like where's the data to back up that Ugh. astrology is real and I or like that people even like astrology and I was like I just can assure you oh my god that people love astrology and that they're going to keep loving it but because yeah. there wasn't enough data because you can't quantify spirituality yeah. <laughs> it, oh my god yeah it really fucked up my uh my mid-20s I went on probably the worst date of my life with a white VC bro who is starting or started a, an astrology company. I'm, I'm not sure to, which one. I'm going to vomit. I know. <laughs> Excuse I, me. I actually left the date early and went on another date later in the night. That's that was cute. better. That's, yeah. was, I like that. It was that's, a, few that's years a solid ago, yeah. move. <laughs> yeah, it is. And just, I like, mm, I was like weighing the both the like, whole night. Mm, this partner doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that data is like a very, very problematic way of seeing the world Mm -hmm. um and i think that it for some reason even in this sort of ironic in this like very darkly ironic way data makes people not think critically about Mm -hmm. their surroundings like we forget that data is coming from a source yeah that it's definitely yeah right has like an agenda of some kind sure and that you like, can interpret put data anyway. You can like write a survey anyway. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So data is not like an intrinsically objective yeah. reflection of what reality is doing at any point. No, not at all. I used to work at BuzzFeed for a while um, and it was like a very data driven company in a in a really interesting way. But it totally made us complacent. Like the whole company was founded on like testing and learning and like some people would call that clickbait but like we weren't allowed to because we weren't <laughs> there and like we would we would basically like put stuff out there and see what worked and like do more of that which is why you would see like hundreds of articles about like the same thing but like slightly different because Scary. it was working yeah and then it was just like it became this like creative machine that like it was literally about churn like get stuff out there and I mean so much of the content world is like that now because it's about data Right. It's just and I think this is such an interesting segue into the work that you do mm-hmm. and um, your work in activism and feminism, because to me, um, living in such a data driven, quote unquote, world and with the metrics always needing to be a certain way is part of this systemic uh sexism that is just so Mm -hmm. deeply embedded in our culture and society 
where we think that everything needs to be quantified and everything needs to have value and everything needs to be monetized and Mm -hmm. there's no beauty in just like the natural space and experimentation and cycles and progress and growth and the things that are very deeply associated with femininity and womanhood and motherhood and childbearing and all of the you know the archetypes of you know, of what we offer as women Mm -hmm. that just constantly churning out data sets is actually like, it's part of the language that is very, very anti-feminist. Yeah, it's definitely like language of the patriarchy and language of capitalism. Yes. There's an account before I get into like my, before I talk about myself, I want to plug this account that's so good called the Nap Ministry, like napping. Um, And it's all about like resisting capitalism through taking more naps. Oh my God. It's so amazing. It's just, uh, it's such an account, a great account. Because it reminds you that like, oh, to have to work like for the machine like this and then only to to have the only reward be more work like that is capitalism and by like taking a break you're resisting right and yeah um that's that's definitely something i can i could fucks with right now yeah for <laughs> sure yeah sounds, i mean up till 3 a.m doing work you need it was not it did not end at three yeah just oh, kept on going i know the feeling um but yeah i mean data has actually informed a lot of what I've done with my Instagram, unfortunately. Uh, But I'll tell you, I used it for good, I guess. Um, I started my account right after the 2016 election because I I was working at BuzzFeed at the time. I was like obsessed with content and and data and how to make things share and how to get content out there. And then after the election, I had like a big aha moment because I'm a white woman and I didn't have to have any aha moments before that. But I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Like the sexism is wild. Like the world. I didn't know it was like this. And I mean, I mean, it was a huge, like devastating moment for me. I was like, I know a lot of us were, but I was like in a, a depression on my couch and I like couldn't leave unless it was to go to a protest. And I was like finding my stride at protests like I felt like people like liked me there and I was like do it I was I would like grab megaphones and be like fuck Mike Pence and everyone would be like <laughs> fuck Mike Pence and I would like gain followers at the protest it was great um but then I was like okay the only thing that I know that I've the way that I've learned about feminism over the years because I wasn't like out of the womb of feminists like you have to learn those things even as a woman um was through memes so I had all these feminist memes saved to my phone that were like protest signs maybe that said treat women as people not as wives and I would look at stuff like that and be like oh you know that's so interesting I always thought of myself as a wife like I didn't even think of it that way and and those things would have helped me unlearn my feminism and so I was or unlearn my internalized sexism and I was like okay I need to share all of this with the world so I started putting it out there and I was like if nobody sees this it doesn't matter so I took everything I knew about content and sharing and data from BuzzFeed and kind of applied it to making content spread and for like the first six months I was basically doing like science experiments I was like okay if I talk about Trump doing this in this way it will get more likes like if I talk and what are you using to analyze the data just me looking at my info like just me looking at my Instagram analytics and being like oh that got higher engagement I don't know that that is like an accurate way to be like oh more people like this in the first minute like that's just my personal like gut feeling 
or it reinforces a gut feeling I already had about the content. But something interesting that I noticed was like people didn't want to heart something that was negative. And I realized that that was like, oh, like if you're talking about like someone's shitty stance on an immigration policy and you post that, no one's going to want to like the the psychology of that Mm -hmm. is wrong. And so you don't you want to talk about it in a way that provides a solution. So I ended up like accidentally doing more way more action oriented content just because it performed better when you would like talk about things with a solution mindset. And so then I had to keep finding like solutions, which forced me to grow as a person really quickly, which was really interesting. Um, the the biggest kind of like thing that I I realized early on was that I wasn't talking about race at all. And I didn't really, it, it had never crossed my mind um, because I'm white and I, it just hadn't been an, a factor in my life. Uh, but I was at the first women's march and I had this plan. I was going to like get all the funny signs and go viral, which it definitely helped. I think I hit like 10K that day. It was a big moment for me. But I was, while I was taking pictures of all these funny signs, I was there with a friend who was like, hey, Jen, what does the word intersectional mean? I've seen it on all these different signs. And I like knew the definition, like I knew it meant in, including all types of women in your feminism, but I didn't know what it meant like for me personally. And I remember answering her and feeling imposter syndrome, like I do not actually know the definition of this. Imposter syndrome, I guess, for good reason, because I, I didn't. And so I went home and I like started learning about that. And then I started having to post a bunch of stuff about that because it was like all I was thinking about and learning about. And it, again, knowing that it had to be solution oriented. So I ended up, my Instagram kind of ended up being a place where I documented all of this unlearning over the course of three years. Uh, so it started with memes, as it always does. And then, <laughs> it, like, literally. Um, and then it just evolved into a place where now I, I've curated a bunch of education resources. The more The more you know, the more you know you don't know. Right. And... I like I would always be like, oh, wow, I like completely uh, I said the word crazy like five seconds ago on this podcast. And I'm trying to stop saying that because that word is can be really triggering for people. And even I have a a family member who was recently uh, hospitalized for bipolar uh, for a manic episode. And I am really trying to stop saying that word, like saying the word crazy and like, oh, it's so crazy because it can be really stigmatizing. And it's even hard for me to do that. So I feel like I'm just like working on shit all the time. And currently at this current moment, I'm exhausted. <laughs> like I'm so tired, but I'm just I'm sort of like taking a, a breather and soon I'll be back in in my flow just in time for the election. <laughs> yeah. So. In the process of like sharing your learning and unlearnings very publicly, have you found that your followers are also like growing with you? Have you encountered people like saying like you don't know what you're talking about or like this, you know, it's not your place to be speaking on this community or this group? And how do you reconcile that? For sure. Um, That is such a complicated question for me. Like, uh, again, speaking of imposter syndrome, I have a a unique type of imposter syndrome by doing social justice work in this space as a white, cisgendered, able-bodied person. Like, I'm not the person who should be telling all these stories. But at the same time, I'm also 
good at telling at like relaying these stories and explaining these things to other cisgender white able-bodied people especially women and so that's like that's something that I I am super passionate about um but like for example here here's an example that will kind of show that complexity uh I always I curate these like takeover series where I have people take over my story and they do like little TED talks on my story which is they're so amazing every time I post one I learn so much and they're all saved to highlights and I have them on like intersect being intersex and uh I have a bunch on on in the indigenous experience from a bunch of different perspectives and all of all of them are seriously worth watching my handle is at generous by the way but uh I was going to I always pay these people like not much but it's a lot of work to make a big takeover but I always pay people like 50 bucks ish and I was paying someone uh, from one of the indigenous communities who I was reposting her takeover from a previous year so I was like paying her again for the work and she was like oh I feel that is a wow that is a very amazing thing to do I mean just want to like sit on that for a second because wow uh, paying someone to share their work again like yeah, having now been a writer of, in media for several mm-hmm. years, I am shocked. I mean, and wow. I paid I paid her twenty five dollars because does it, it matter? Like, yeah. It's the gesture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I was like this. Of course, people should people should do that. Ugh, people undervalue writing and content creation as an art so much because you have to make it look effortless. That's like part of it, but. I me- I messaged her and I was like, hey, I'd like to pay you for reposting. And she was like, oh, uh, thank you so much. But I actually want to pay you because I've learned so much from you over the past year since like we met because I first posted her takeover. And then I, w- I was like, that's such an amazing thing to say, like coming from someone who like s- spoke on my platform about being a, a, like their experience uh, as a marginalized person like she did a takeover about the history of Thanksgiving it was just a really amazing compliment and it made me feel like okay I'm doing the right thing here because I'm teaching people from different intersections like we don't all have experiences we all have different experiences right like of many different levels of privilege and and oppression and struggle and um, an advantage and so to be able to kind of bridge those gaps I was like okay this is like where I sit and that was a big moment of clarity yeah that makes a lot of sense and I feel like that you just made me have a little astro breakthrough which mm. uh, I've been having actually a lot recently which is kind of cool because I've also you know I love astrology so mm-hmm. much but because it's my work sometimes it can feel really exhausting and it's redundant and you know there's 12 signs and there's 12 horoscopes and there's a lot of you know it could become very methodical mm-hmm. but when I have these sort of like big symbolic breakthroughs of the way that astrology works and how that can translate it like really revives and refreshes my insight and my interest in it the other day I was thinking about and just n- right now and you said this it made me sort of it reclarified like why astrology is such a cool language is that it really is just this it's like this amazing cosmic equalizer mm-hmm. um where we can all show up as you know 
these different parts of ourselves and then we bring our experience into it and obviously you know this is some deep cut astrology shit but you know not everybody who has like an eighth house stellium such as myself um is going to have the same relationship with money if you read Mm. ancient astrology books not ancient but really fucking old medieval astrology you'll read a lot about eighth house people having inheritances or having these big you know these big like financial payouts that are especially with certain planets there that are their fortune that is not my reality Mm -hmm. that is so deeply far in fact it might be the inverse of my reality so it's obviously I'm bringing my own journey to my chart and to the astrology but it creates a place for us to have conversations about these topics Mm -hmm. where then you know all of us sort of can participate and say oh we're talking about money this is my experience with money Mm -hmm. we're talking about family this is my experience with family and we can all throw our unique perspectives into the pot to expand the the reach of this language and to have this you know we're all talking about career we're all talking about community we're all talking about routines but we can all bring forth you know this these ideas from our own vantage yeah what is a delium? A stellium. Oh, a stellium. It's having many planets, th- three or more, but I like four or more in the okay. same sign or house. Ah, and okay. the house, since I you pulled up your info on CoStar, I could continue doing that. Um, How do you feel about CoStar? Well, I, I don't. I just, I'm so tired of like not liking CoStar. I think that CoStar is such a great gateway drug mm-hmm. into astrology, for sure. And I'm like. I am happy that there's something that people can use. I love the Time Passages app for really mm. being able to visualize like astrology in the way that uh, it should be visualized. But I okay. appreciate the fact that CoStar broke it down into this list that might be a little more digestible. Yeah. Um, I almost like, like I don't use it for my horoscope or anything. Like I, no, I just use it do. as like It's a, okay, I'm not mad No, I don't, I don't. <laughs> but I would also respect if you were mad at me. Because no, I, I'm I, not. I like get this, like even as I'm on it, I'm like, oh, this is like, this is like so basic. But no, um, I'm, I really am, you know, CoStar, I have a complicated relationship with CoStar because they started from, or at least the first email that I got about CoStar I received the same month I closed my business about uh, astrology. Yeah. So there's a lot that I project onto mm-hmm. CoStar that isn't necessarily, you know, that has nothing to do with th- what they're yeah. doing. And But I think that they're, you know, uh, from, I have a very particular experience uh, trying to create or fuse astrology and technology. And it's one that I still am working through and I feel, still feel pissed off about because it was just such I experienced such blatant misogyny and sexism Ugh. and uh, just tech community was not no bueno for me as oh my a God. I'm 23 sure. year old girl trying to start an astrology company I'm sure what was your company it you was called a line okay and it was an astrology dating app oh amazing thank you I would I'm in a relationship now but I would have done that in a heartbeat yeah me too <laughs> I needed oh. it um but yes that was it was a it was an interesting and very painful experience because I was growing up while trying to yeah to start this and I have this very can do attitude and I was like of course I'm going to be able to do this why shouldn't I and 
it was the first thing that I had ever put all of my energy into and it did not go as I had Mm -hmm. planned. Obviously now all these years later, like I can see things from such a greater perspective of like the timing and my maturity and the societal maturity. This is, this all happened pre-Trump. So Mm -hmm. like different times, Mm -hmm. different worlds. It's interesting that people have really like gotten more focused on astrology in like a post-Trump era. I feel like it's become more like me and maybe it has something to do with like a rise in meme accounts or maybe those things like astrology meme accounts, I think are are like a huge way that people interact with astrology. Like, I feel like many people only know what they know about their sign because they saw it on like one of those Instagram carousels with like eight different uh, or like 10 different signs. It's like Taurus does like doesn't eat the cereal or whatever. And it's like, you know, like that's that's the primary way a lot of people engage now. But it's everywhere. Yes. Yes. I I think that there was a massive um, transformation that happened in 2016 after uh, uh, not just within astrology obviously within within all levels of consciousness but I would be so interesting in a alternative reality where we kept a line going for three more months and Mm. didn't close it in August and Mm. to see Mm. sort of how we could have expanded our business in those changing times but we couldn't I mean we were truly fucked and like you know out of money and yeah just like destroyed from so many false promises with so many bad people so we it was it's not even like a it it, it's silly to even like contemplate what that could have looked like but it's curious especially because co-star really like hit at that exact right moment i think i got the first email about the app in october of 2016 Uh. So, so like right yeah. after and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. And then right before the Trump nomination. Yeah. And that, you know, I I don't know. I, I am trying to stay. The astrology of 2020 is extraordinarily oh, yeah. intense. And I imagine. it's it's so intense that astrologers from decades ago like stopped their books in 2019 and they were like what's Whoa. to come of 2020 like only time will tell no way yeah, so, so there's wild. There, so much of what we're experiencing in uh in the united states n- this year is completely unprecedented um yeah. that has not happened like cycles 248 year cycles that haven't happened since the united states was founded are coming back around Ugh. so there's not like in order to sort of contextualize it it's like we're looking at what has happened in these macro cycles during like the fall of the roman empire and like different dynasties in china um but we don't have the information here so i'm trying to stay really you know to send out really good manifesting vibes yeah for what we can do because we know that big change is coming but just like our charts we can make it positive or negative you know there's it is not binary (laughs) so there's many different ways that we can transform this moment but it is yeah I'm like I'm terrified of any option so I'm (laughs) glad to hear you're manifesting nuanced positivity yeah I'm just I mean what day is today Wednesday 
after post Super Tuesday Wednesday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like it's looking exhausting like, Wednesday. Yeah, I think it's called. Yeah, it is. Um, and I it's looking like uh, Biden is probably going to be the Democratic nominee. And I mean, are we just saying that? I well, I was reading a New York Times article on the way here, and it it was literally saying like analysis. Biden probably yeah, but nominee. New York. This is exactly why data. Like I felt throughout my duration working with the line that every time a VC would talk to me about data, I would be like, Oh my yeah, god, you you're right. Moron. It's data. Here I yeah. am. I'm quoting data. But and it was the New York Times that fucked it up on the night of the election mm -hmm. um, for me. <laughs> all of those I know 2016 years ago, and because I was watching that fucking meter. Meter. I know. I was watching them. I I like actually have like a story up right now about that because there are all the meters for all the states and I was like ah, PTSD visceral yeah seriously yeah like oh my god I do not want to see a meter I don't want to hear the word data um, yeah and I honestly don't want to hear I, I want to hear what you read and reinterpreted I mean, through you but I don't want to read any analysis <laughs> right now like yeah. I don't want to hear bullshit strategists political pundits interpreting things because I am traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> and know. It, it makes me upset. For sure. For sure. And I it doesn't help. Yeah, <laughs> we all are. And I I honestly, I mean it's really good like the the push that happened at, in midterms was really good, but I'm just nervous that that the Democrats used all of our energy then and like we're all burnt out now. Like that was all we have. Um I also feel like I I just feel like something I've learned through all of this unlearning is like, oh, the establishment is like just too big and it's, I mean, it's too big to fail. It's like, it, and the answers to overturning all these different systems of oppression don't come from, don't come from the government. I mean, obviously the government is like a leader that we elect for the country and or the president is a leader that we elect for the country and it's so important, but it, it comes from the work that we do inside us and on ourselves and that is like so much harder to be like oh I'm like I'm gonna clear my schedule uh, the week of the election and make sure that I have a plan to get to the polls like or I'm gonna make some calls before Super Tuesday like that's great but like what are you doing about your own internalized racism internalized transphobia like internalized sexism like what are you doing to confront that in yourself be and local elections like how are you electing local officials that that take those things seriously because it's it just it feels like I, I feel like no matter what happens this year it's gonna be bad because either we get four me four more years of Trump which I don't need to like articulate why that's bad uh, I think we understand <laughs> what's the problem yeah, there Jen? yeah what's the problem <laughs> things are totally normal how much time do we have um but or we get we get someone like an establishment Democrat, basically, who I, I don't honestly know enough about Biden's policies to like fully go into my thoughts on him. Um, I was texting my friend on the way here. I was like, can you send me something about all his policies? And my friend was like, uh, his website should tell you what a fuck up he is. And I was oh like, oh, shit, that's like a, a drag. But um, I even if we elect someone like him, I'm worried that it's going to do even more like negative work on the Democrats and our ability to like stand up for what's right because Trump at least like galvanized people on on both sides 
But on the left, like I wouldn't be where I am today and I would have done any of this work on myself if it hadn't been for him. And like that is a shitty thing to say because I should have, but I wouldn't have, you know, and he sparked this thing in so many people. And I feel like if we have another if even if, if even if we have a Democrat, even if we had even if it was someone like Bernie, people would just be like, all right, like I wash my hands of this. It's taken care of, you know, and that's not how it works. Like this is like forever it is a forever fight and i that's not something a lot of people want to hear because it's exhausting (laughs) and yeah 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 i mean i think that um i i I definitely think there's an argument to be made for the fact that i feel like as a collective we're very much sort of like abused women right now Mm -hmm. um and abused women have a very hard time leaving their partners, mm-hmm. um, like any uh, abusive relationship. Yeah, not just women, but in this metaphor. Yeah. Um, and it's I, I think that there's something that is very hard to articulate that make that has sort of we've become so uh, comfortable with this cycle of hate and hating the president and hating Trump and getting notifications on our phone that are scary and Mm -hmm. being angry and that we don't even know how to positively interact with the role of commander in chief anymore. Yeah. Um, It's like Obama years. Like it's been 84 years. Yeah. Like (laughs) Titanic. It it truly has. (laughs) Yeah. Is that the 284 years ago thing you're talking about? Um, Different cycles, same issues. And, and everything I've learned even about Obama, like, Obama was, I I worked on his campaign. That was like my first foray into politics. Um, I was, I worked on his campaign in college in California. And my role was to coordinate the trip to Nevada so that we could knock on doors. But I ended up just like planning a trip to Vegas. And it was super fun. And I remember while I was working on that, the head of, of the college Obama thing, I was like, having another instance of imposter syndrome i was like i don't deserve to be here i don't know enough about politics very libra i will yeah. say that. <laughs> well that's good to know that it's normal but yeah i i was like i don't know anything about politics i shouldn't be here and he this guy was like no that's exactly why you should be here because you're helping gain a different audience and so obama like did that for me and for so many people i feel like he he transcended politics into pop culture which is actually what i have cared about my whole life like I've never really been that political because for many reasons I didn't have to be but Obama was is like an ambassador in this pop culture kind of way but then my mom my mom is a Republican it's like a problem but she is always like well Obama did this Obama did this and I'm like yeah I didn't know that and I don't agree with it and I should have known that and I should have campaigned against that like Obama would not would be way too moderate of a candidate for me right now and I think like understanding that growth as a society like we still so often don't afford ourselves the nuance to be like oh Obama was was great in that time but he really should have pushed more on this he should have done a lot more to hold the dream act like he should have he should have done a bunch of a bunch more than he did yeah but he also I mean the the whole political system is designed basically for there to be either complete blockage or total clearance. Yeah. Like he was completely blocked. Yeah. yeah. I, like, so we will never really know what 
I mean, we know certain things, you know, and we definitely know that his policy, he's much more of a moderate than, you know, obviously some of the candidates that are out there uh, today who are mm-hmm. pushing the left even further. But we'll never know, like, what could have happened should he have not, should he have been able to even appoint more Supreme Court judges yeah. and not have been blocked on that. Yeah, exactly. And then Trump comes in and it's like, pew, 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 pew. Yeah. <laughs> pew. I, I don't li- know what that Literally, noise is. those are the sound <laughs> Air effects. horns. <laughs> yeah, he brought his own sound effects. Literally. To office. I've always been a very political person and I've always just been very affected by things that are going on in government, not because I care about politicians i think that they're all perverts in Mm -hmm. fact like every single one of them even the ones i like Mm -hmm. um in order to do that job i think it's yeah you need need some level of like self aggrandizement yeah like like there's some i think that the empath narcissist relationship uh, from the sort of citizen to political sphere is fascinating and something to unpack yeah but um i think all of them are like probably clinical narcissist Ooh, that's really interesting to think of like an empath narcissist relationship from like citizen to person on stage like yeah. in any context politics or or like musicians or like anything well it's like, like it's that. the same as sort of like follow follower leader yeah dynamic but when you add like the emotional yeah uh, implication it there it creates mm. this very it, symbiotic but also like very enmeshed uh, nature between like why we hate certain politicians or pop figures or whatever yeah. and why we love them or it's whew, a lot of shit yeah a lot of shit to a figure out <laughs> yeah but I've always I mean I think that one of the things that I see now in time that is not about Obama at all in fact but just having a president that you know I was in college when he was elected and that was so fun and it felt so mm-hmm. like inspiring and truly hopeful and like that fucking shepherd fairy poster oh like yeah we were Obey. you know we were in it the people in college now like are in such a different landscape it's so there's so much it's so heavy it's so uncertain um there's so much you like you know you distrust and yeah. i think that something that now in hindsight i can fairly say is like all of this you know all of the trump people were getting angrier and angrier while Obama was president. And Mm -hmm. it was that growing rage that allowed him to hand his presidency, which was obviously, he was the first black president. Like that's a revolutionary and super, super important milestone for the United States. Yeah. Um, To Trump, who is also a revolutionary, but like a literally revolutionary fucking racist dictator privileged white yeah (laughs) (laughs) end of sentence yeah (laughs) but like there is a reason that that happened and i think that that is what you know i think that with time we need to figure out what happened yeah and i i mean i do think it goes back to like a lot of that internalized work and complacency and um yeah it's it's people people got complacent i got complacent like there are multiple times i should have called my th- I mean, there were so many horrible events of gun violence during Obama's administration. And he really wanted to like he he stepped up for so much of that. But he like I should have called my senators, but I didn't because I was like, Obama's got this, even though like he clearly did not. To your point, the the blockage was awful. And I actually had a, a bit of a breakthrough with my mom th- recently 
not that I'm she's probably still gonna vote for Trump which is like so disheartening to me because this is like literally my life's work is like don't well, vote for a, Trump there's a reason oh I mean obviously if your mom is has completely different politics and is there is that an astrolo- astrological reason? That's like a yeah. I mean, we could find that in the chart, but we could also just that's like a just a classic pattern. Oh, great! Of you love know, that. like why of healing. I love knowing that like it's not my fault. I love oh knowing God. things no. like that. No, that's why you're doing the work that you're doing is because it it's generational and yeah. you're trying to end cycles. Yeah, I I am for sure. Um, and I, I had a breakthrough with her recently when I realized like she's also devastated by all of this gun violence laws uh, as so many people are. And Indiana, I'm from Indiana. I grew up there. It's like, ugh. but um, she, Indiana had instituted some policy or elected some politician. I forget what it was that, was very anti-gun laws at all. And my mom is like, quote unquote, a social uh, social Democrat, uh, fiscal Republican, which like, I don't Classic. believe in. Yeah, um, not a thing. But I had a talk with her and I was like, Does mom. Does fiscal Republican just mean you don't want to uh, pay taxes? Yeah, it means you don't want, well, my mom is super scared of the government having control. Yeah. And like one thing we agree on is that the government is quite ineffective in many ways and that there's a lot of like waste and churn. Like that, I mean, that's something that that we agree on, but I still think social programs are beneficial and like need to exist. And she doesn't. Um, but she considers herself a social Democrat who's like on the team of all these all these marginalized groups, but she's obviously not because she won't help. Um but I I convinced her to call her Republican representative and like demand uh, gun legislation. And she was like, oh, I didn't realize I could do that. And so to get people to like actually call people within their party to to be like, no, this I, I believe in. We can like affect the like right now there's a strong party divide. Right. But for example, with common sense gun laws like 98% of Americans agree on it or something. I'm completely making that up, but I know it's, I know it's in the high <laughs> There's 90s. your data, bitch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's my gut feeling. 99.9. Yeah, yeah, exa- yeah, it's actually even higher. Um, but uh, yeah, almost everyone agrees that like Republican or Democrat, that that's what we should do. But there's these like, oh, my politician thinks this, my, politi- my politician thinks this. And so it's, if we can get people to call their politicians within their parties and be like, you should think this, then they will, right? It's like, it, the parties are such a an identity thing. Like, oh, this this is wild. The other day I was with my mom and she said something, I was with my mom and my dad, and my mom said something that was like, uh, she was like, well, everyone should have uh, equal opportunity and we should provide the opportunity to make that happen. And my dad just turned to her and was like, you sound like a, a Democrat, Vivian. And my mom was like, oh, no, no. And it was so clear that it was just in her head that she had to be a Republican. Like it was something in her childhood, in her identity. Like I think if today the party switched names and that's all they did, they switched names. And that was like a thing that wasn't really announced but the policy stayed the same a lot of people who are democrats would have a hard time identifying as republicans if that was like still stood for the ideals of the left right because it's so ingrained in us that like we're not that and then it becomes these labels that we're like trying to fit 
my hot take is that the country is way too big mm-hmm. and I think that it should yeah. be divided into it. <laughs> so like, into it. I, I California, everybody else. <laughs> They're going to do it. I, I mean, feel like I feel I, I know that that is like a, I feel like it was almost hashtag too soon to say that like post 1800 civil war for a very long time. Yeah. But like, I'm sorry, but it's just fucking true. Yeah. Like the needs that we have and also just regionally with climate change, our needs are going to be so different. Um, but the needs that people have in the rural communities are very different than the needs people have in urban spaces. So, I mean, obviously, you know, guns, for instance, play a very different role when you have like to defend 300 acres of your own land that, you know, there's no deed for. Yeah. Um, whereas, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you're in a very condensed um, suburban environment like there's they're not defending anything you know like there's different spaces require different thoughts for sure well I mean even your first metaphor on the car was like oh like I I resonated with that because I lived in LA for a while but I was like if I hadn't lived there I don't even know that I would like know what what oh shit maybe that's why I have that metaphor because I also lived in LA for a while yeah I mean I was recently there and I like was in it I was in one of those Teslas where the doors open up and I was like this is like unbelievable welcome to LA yeah exactly (laughs) and and I like yeah it's just such a visceral experience like in that's that's very true um so yeah I I think we should divide I think we should divide up the country mm-hmm. um, and I feel like we need to recognize that as you're saying the labels for a two-party system are just like not working yeah uh, but also having a country that is so fucking huge is not working no it's not and I was looking at speaking of those meters I was looking at those meters from Super Tuesday and I was watching the one for California like every second because I, it's like I can't look away and it said it on each of them it says like how the state earns votes or like how they how they choose who won and it was like in California the person who gets the most votes is the candidate and I was like that's like supposed to be novel like that something we have <laughs> to clarify Ugh. it's just someone was telling me the other day that Trump in his office has a like right outside the oval office he has a poster of the frame i mean trump with a poster is already like <laughs> yeah like period like well, the okay. end of that sentence yeah before, before i even say <laughs> what it is with, trump in his dorm <laughs> yeah exactly it's like yeah it's a bob marley poster no um <laughs> fight club um no the it's it's a poster of the electoral college map after he won uh which is mainly red but it's actually like the symbol of the fact that he didn't win, you know? Um, so like someone who, un- who for looking at the, the facts and the realities of that, not just the data, but like the number of votes, like the, the most objective version of that, he did not win. And yet because it's like, th- this is actually a great demonstration. It's like an infographic that makes it look like he won because he won only on that right. in that way, right? And he has it in his office because he's like, look at that infographic. I love that infographic. Yeah, I mean, infographics, right? Like, they're, yeah. it's, it's a vision. A tool of the patriarchy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> infographics are a tool of the patriarchy. Yeah. I, like, 
uh, everything is so fucking annoying. I hate everything. And <laughs> I, I'm, but I'm very much enjoying our conversation because yeah. obviously it's good to explore all of these things because it's a lot to internalize because we're all, and we're all going to get sick if we do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what would you say for somebody who wants to get involved um, with anything social justice? Like what's a good first step to either unlearn or learn um, maybe following you as this mm-hmm. that step? Yes. Well, that wouldn't hurt. But <laughs> two two things. Um, if you want to do internal work on yourself or start, a great resource I can recommend is um, Ijeoma Oluo's book, so you want to talk about race. It's a great book for anyone to kind of unpack these things. It basically goes question by question that you might have that like people have people have constantly and explains to you like, oh, like or or asks you, why do you think this? So it's like it's an incredible resource toward unlearning race um, or unlearning racism. The sec- the main advice I get this question a lot. And the main advice that I give is People, if you want to get involved in social justice work, pick one cause to kind of focus on as you start and then focus on honing a skill of some kind. And whatever that skill is, you can apply it to whatever cause you're behind. And then as you go deeper into that cause, you'll learn so much more. Like my cause originally was was basically just abortion. Like that was like my biggest cause. I was like out in for it. Um, And through that, I like learned all this other stuff. So it's been such a journey and it, I mean, that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. So find a, an entry point. Yes. Which on an astrological level, that could be co-star. It could. It could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looping it full circle. Way to bring it back. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jen. Where can we find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at um, generous with a J. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you.